ثم رحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وأن معهم إلى يوم الدين أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله well, we are now at the final stages of completing this uh, event by the grace and mercy of Allah and after that your cooperation. Uh, this is going to be our parting session and we would like to hear a few words of advice from each speaker. One or two speakers cannot make it because uh, they're not feeling well and I think um, the trying circumstances, the exhaustive schedule have uh, had a bad effect on their health. May Allah recover them very quickly. I'm going to make announcements throughout, interrupt the speakers, they have, to, uh, they have to excuse me. As and when coaches arrive or there are any need to say anything, I'll just interrupt them and cut in and say things. When the coaches arrive, we'll have to leave straight away. So I hope the brothers and sisters who came by coaches are already packed and ready. So when the coaches come, you, take, you go to your rooms, pick up your bags and board the coaches straight away. We keep on emphasizing that because that's the one that creates the most difficulty usually. Otherwise, all the brothers and sisters should be packed anyway and be sure to return your keys to registration. Whoever came on the first or second day and registered, the same procedure applies. You just come to the, to the registration desk and drop your key and go away. And if you don't find the key, we'll send you a, a note or a reminder by post or a email, inshallah. So I'd like to start by asking uh, Sheikh Jafar to first of all uh, give us some words of conclusion to this event, please. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created it in such a way that sometimes uh, a few days, in fact sometimes even a few hours, few special hours that um, we spent in certain special cases have tremendous effect on our life. For example, if you make i'tikaf, you make i'tikaf for a few days, but uh, uh, the brothers who made i'tikaf can tell you uh, the tremendous effect that that has on their life. You go to make hajj, you spend only a few days, and so on. And I think the same applies to meetings like these. Uh, you come, you spend two or three days with your uh, brothers, you meet them, uh, you exchange uh, views, you become very much influenced by not only the speakers, but the brothers uh, uh, you meet here. And I can tell you from experience, I have been <clears throat> uh, meet, uh, uh, meet, uh, I have been taking uh, <clears throat> part in, in, in meetings like this since, since I was a young man. And, 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 I, uh, and I can tell you from experience, and you know now, of course, that this has tremendous effect on us. So I would like you to, to be keen on, on, <coughs> on having these uh, conferences. And inshallah, in the future, the more money you give, uh, uh, the more frequent these uh, meetings can be. Uh, so, so I would like you not only to be keen 
on attending conferences like this, but also to, to encourage your friends, your relatives, whether, uh, and relatives to come. And for this to be uh, possible, uh, we need money, mm -hmm. uh, at least to pay for the tickets of some of the poor among us here. And <laughs> uh, we, we, we get in, uh, invited to many parts of the world and even to um, uh, cities or so within, the, uh, within one country. And we cannot afford to pay for all these tickets. Um, uh, to do so, we have to seek uh, um, another job. And if we have um, a really good and well-paying job, then we will not be able to come. So, uh, so you have to contribute to help us uh, to attend uh, your, 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 your meetings, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I would like to now ask uh, Sheikh Rafim, Rafim, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyid al-Mursaleen. I just share everything that our Sheikh Jafar have mentioned and just to tell you how pleased I was in the last few days to see these um, shining faces and the youth who are going to be the leaders of the future. I hope that we have learned enough in the last few days to make us realize that we are not as individuals as well as as a group we are not irrelevant and at the same time we're not the center of the universe we're somewhere in between and each one of us should realize his or her place in this universe and realize what our responsibilities are don't think that just because you are one or a few that you cannot make a difference. Throughout history, it was the few, the dedicated one, who changed the course of history, and it was the large, huge number of the masses who were on the sideline waiting to see what happens and then join whichever party they want to join. We do not want to be on the sideline we would like to make a difference. And we will not be able to do this unless and until we understand our responsibility and our duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have to show our gratitude every single minute to Allah azza wa jal, not only by words, which every one of us had mastered, but actually by deeds which are yet to be mastered by every one of us. Everyone should go home with the sense that I have a responsibility. And the world we live in needs changing towards a better world. And it is me who is going to partake in this effort. I'm not going to wait for someone else, whoever that someone else is to do it for me. It is my responsibility. It is my duty. 
Allah Azza wa Jal will not ask someone else and question him or her about me. I will be the one who is going to be questioned and I'm going to be the one who is going to be held into account for the misery of this world. Maybe I did not contribute, but just by being silent on the misery that we are in, we are contributing towards that misery. And it's about time that every one of us sensed their responsibility. Allah Azza wa Jal had favored us with so many great things and we have to be thankful and grateful. We have to be thankful and grateful to Allah Azza wa Jal that we are healthy and where our millions are sick. We're thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we're not hungry while millions of people sleep and wake up hungry. We're thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave us our intellect when there's so many people who look like human beings but they are not. We're thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he made us Muslims. And that is the best gift that anyone can receive in this world. But all this has a price. And that price is our dedication and our work. And as anything else, that dedication and that work needs support. And that support means that we have to be willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice our time for causes like this one to keep it going. And sacrifice what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had entrusted with, with this world's wealth, that we should have spent it for his cause. Because no matter what we spend, وَمَا أَنْفَقْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُهُ Whatever you spend for the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to support an effort like this one or similar efforts to keep the banner of La ilaha illallah Muhammadan Rasulullah going is a worthy cause and not as a luxury. It is a must. If I don't do it, if he doesn't do it, if he don't do it, these things will not be done and then all of us will be asked about it. I was very pleased to spend the last few days here. I have enjoyed meeting new faces and renewed my friendship and my brotherhood with old faces and old acquaintances and old friends. And I'm very grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable me to be here and address you and see you. I pray to Allah azza wa jal to make all of us of the successful ones in this life to please him and in the hereafter in the Jannah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. May I briefly make a comment about the um, buckets going round? And that always kind of unnerves me, makes me feel uncomfortable and awkward and embarrassed. But um, we have given out standing order forms and pamphlets earlier on. Uh, the best way really to support our cause would be to make out a very small contribution via standing order forms or a banker's order form. If you haven't got one, I think stewards already have some with them or they're at the entrances and exits of the halls. One or two pounds per month or five pounds a month is much better than a, a large amount of money at, a, at one go and never again. Um, may I now ask uh, Sheikh Salim al-Amri uh, to uh, say a few words, inshallah. What I'd like to say here is a piece of advice addressing myself in the first place. First of all is the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
the taqwa. We should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever we are because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees us wherever we are. And our deeds should reflect what we have in our hearts. And as you know, taqwa, defined by Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, al-khawfu min al-jaleel, to fear the Almighty, wal-amal bit-tanzeel, and to act according to the revelation, wal-ridha bil-qaleel, and to be satisfied with whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you, wal-isti'dad liyawm al-raheel, and to prepare yourself for the day of departure. That means leaving this world. Also, the second thing I'd like to mention is we have to adhere and abide by the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet Because that's the only thing that will guarantee our deliverance and say, that will be saved and delivered from the tribulations and the temptations and the tests and the afflictions. We have to adhere to the book of Allah and to the sunnah of the Prophet Not only that, and understand both of them, the Qur'an and the Sunnah, according to understanding of the Sahaba. We cannot understand the Qur'an and Sunnah better than Abu Bakr Siddiq, better than Umar ibn Khattab, better than Uthman ibn Affan, better than Ali, etc. So we have to understand the deen according to their understanding. Don't say, I, I can understand the Qur'an and the Sunnah, I know the Arabic language, and uh, there's no need for me uh, to understand it according to the understanding. If you do that, you'll be misled, and you'll go astray. Because the Prophet ﷺ made it very clear. He said, the Jews were divided into 71 sects, the Christians into 72 sects, and my ummah is going to be divided into 73 sects. 72 will go to the hellfire. Only one will be delivered. The Sahaba, they asked, tell us what are the characteristics of this group that is going to be delivered. Delivered, He said, those who are upon what I am upon today. Those who follow my steps and your, and your steps. So if you want to be among this group who is going to be, go to the Jannah, follow the way of the Sahaba. In understanding the deen in every aspect. That's the only way where you can save yourself. That's the way of salvation. The third thing is the ilm. I advise myself and my brothers and sisters to seek the religious knowledge and dedicate daily, one hour at least, to learn your deen. We have to be fair. If you want to worship Allah properly, properly, we cannot worship Allah when we don't have the ilm. So we have, and the scholars, our Muslim scholars, they're saying, knowledge, you give it all your lifetime, and you will get only a fraction of it. All your lifetime is dedicated for the ilm, and you'll obtain and get, achieve a fraction of the ilm. So what do we give for the ilm? Nothing. Nothing. So it's high time to dedicate part of your time daily to learn your deen. Imam ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, he said that the shaitan accesses the heart of the son of Adam through two doors or two gates. The door of the shubahat and the door of the shahawat. 
These are Arabic words. Shahawat means lusts and desires. So the shaitan accesses and makes you sin because of the shahwa. So how can I close this door? I have to block it and close it. The door of lusts and desires, the shahawat. By the taqwa. The fear of Allah. If I have that in my heart, and I know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for us in the jannah is better than the lust or momentary lust and pleasure of this world. For instance, you are walking around and your nafs and your shaitan tell see this beautiful lady there? Have a look. And then make a istighfar. Okay? So what should I say to myself? I should say the huriya by Allah is more beautiful than her. Which is true. I don't want the sister to feel offended. But this is a fact. The huriya in the Jannah, the Prophet ﷺ said, the huriya would be wearing 70 garments and you would be able to see her bone marrow. See? Any misword like that? No. This is the huriya in the Jannah. And you'll be one, having 101. 100 huriya for the men. No male huri for the sisters. Okay? 100 huriya, the Prophet ﷺ said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ لَيَطُوفَنَّا حَدُكُمْ فِي الْيَوْمِ وَالْلَيْلَ عَلَى مِئَةِ عَذْرًا 100 huriya is there in the Jannah. If you want that huriya, lower your gaze. Don't watch TV. Pornography. Don't go to these sites on the internet if you want the huriya. So that's how you overcome the shahwa, the fear of Allah. The second, the other gate, which is the shubuhat. The shubuhat. What is the shubuhat? Shubuhat, fallacies. Fallacies. The enemies of Islam, they raise casting doubts into our mind. So what, how can I avoid that? The ilm. And if I don't have the ilm, I have to be aware. I should not go to a kafir or disbeliever who is well versed in his deen, or he knows something about Islam and start talking about him. Because what they have, only doubts, to cast doubts into your heart. And I'm going to give you, to mention what Imam Ibn Qayyim said. Imam Ibn Qayyim, before he met Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he was Sufi. We know that. Only Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah placed him on the right track. So he used after that to debate with the people. And those whom he debate, debates with, they cast doubt into his mind. Shubuhat. So he used to run to his Shaykh. My Shaykh, what should I do? How can I answer them? And the Shaykh said, this is the answer. So one day Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah got fed up. He said, what is wrong with you? لا تجعل قلبك كالإسفنجة كلما ألقيت عليه شبهة أشربها ولكن اجعله كالزجاجة ينظر إليها ولا تنفذ إليه He said, don't let your heart behave like a piece of sponge The piece of sponge, what, what does it do? It absorbs, sucks in the water So don't let your heart behave, heart behave like that Whenever they cast out, it goes straight to your heart but let it behave like a bottle glass, a glass, a bottle glass, okay, a glass bottle. 
It sees the falsehood, but it does not let it go in. You know it is wrong, but it should not penetrate your heart. You should say to yourself, when they raise this doubt, I am ignorant. This is the first thing you should do. I am ignorant. I don't know the answer. But I am sure what you are saying is wrong. Then you go and you ask the ulama, and the ulama will say, this is the answer. So by doing that, you prevent this shubha from entering into your, into your heart. <clears throat> and I would also like to advise the parents in particular. Fathers and mothers. Because we have a problem here with the children. We have to take care of our children. The upbringing. And we have to concentrate on them from day one. And we have to bring them Islamically. And especially the girls. The moment they reach the age of puberty, we have to look for husbands for them. Okay? And help them to get married. Because the sisters and the girls are desperate. And they are suffering. There are so many. And you find some of them, astaghfirullah they already committed something wrong. And we know this from the questions we receive. So there is a problem. And it's high time for the parents to realize this. And to open their eyes. And to help their children. To help their children. Get them married. To open their hearts for their children. Your son, he wants, he's telling you, Daddy, I want to get married. Don't tell him you are still young. No. If you can help him, please. That's how you can save your child. Your daughter, the same thing. There is nothing wrong to come to a, a good husband, a good brother, and tell him, my son, do you want to get married? Do you want to get married, my son? He said, yes. And then you go to your sister, daughter and say, my daughter, I found a good husband for you. And get her married. And I'll just mention this story happened in Riyadh. Because if we love our children, we should buy happiness for them. And that is to get them married, to make them happy. There is a young man who was, mashallah, a regular goer to the masjid, all the five prayers. So a father was watching him, and he said to him, and one day he invited him for, for tea, after Asr. And his daughter came to serve the tea. So the, the, the boy felt embarrassed and he lowered his, his head. He said, maybe it is a mistake. So the father said, no, it's not a mistake, it's planned. See her. You want to marry her or not? You know, he said, yes, you know, but I don't have anything, you know. Yeah, I'm schooling, I'm studying. He said, I know everything about this. I already asked about you. I know you are in Sharia. I know everything about it. This is the key of the flat. Everything. Don't worry about anything. Okay? Just say yes. He said yes. <laughs> <laughs> this father, he loves his children. He loves his daughter. He wants his daughter to be happy. Okay? So please open your hearts for your children and mothers. And the same thing, the daughters and the, 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 the boys. 
they should respect their parents and should love them. We have to have this sound relationship and strong relationship and healthy relationship and strong families. Only and only then we'll have a strong ummah. Please, brothers and sisters, take this into consideration. And finally, I remind, I would like to mention the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ about the sadaqah, the charity. You know, brothers and sisters, on the day of judgment, the sun will be above our heads and no shade except the shade of the mighty throne of Allah. May Allah play, uh, make us among those who will be under it. But there will be a shade according to your sadaqah. The shade will be proportional to your sadaqah. If you are giving more sadaqah, the shade will be sufficient enough. So please, make it a habit that you give sadaqah every day. Every day. So on that day you will be in the shade while the people are sweating and the sun is above their heads. And the Prophet ﷺ said, مَا نَقَصَ مَالٌ مِنْ صَدَقَةٍ قَطْتٍ Your wealth will never be reduced and diminished because of the spending. You spend, Allah spends upon you. And every day two angels descend. One will pray, pray for the one who spends and the other one will curse the one who withholds. Okay? So the one who spends, the angel praising him. As the Mashayikh mentioned, there are forms for monthly donations for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there are boxes going around. So please, contribute enormously. May Allah reward all of you. And I would like also to ask you to forgive us if we made a mistake, if we said some word harsh, we didn't mean to, to hurt your feelings or something like that. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Alhamdulillah, we have uh, the presence of uh, Dr. Mamdouh. Um, in light of what uh, Sheikh Salim was saying, a few brief words that, um, of course, the conference could not have been organized and managed without a large number of people in the background helping out. And many of this large number of people are actually people who have developed through the years, five, ten years of coaching and sitting in study circles and teaching others in turn and so forth. And all of that happened, that's the, the greatest asset that we have got, that we can easily, inshallah ta'ala, muster around 100, 120 people to back up an event like this. And they didn't just come and volunteer spontaneously because they happened to find out about the conference. Many of them have been associating and attending programs 5, 10, 15 years. So when Sheikh Salim talks about sadaqah, I mean, that's the greatest fruit that we can be proud of in front of Allah by His grace and mercy. And some brothers, are, of, brothers and sisters are of course very special because they have been longer and done much more than the rest, although Allah knows the hearts of people. And a very sincere person contributing a very small amount may have a larger reward than an insincere person contributing a huge amount. But I would like to, on my, especially for myself, uh, want to mention two groups of people, the brothers and sisters who have been working in this event, some of them are very young and they are all held their best. I would like you and the speakers to sometimes make dua for them, inshallah ta'ala. And also the family in Leicester, 
uh, Idris Waraj, Anis Waraj, these people, and Hanif Waraj, who has now taken over the role of his father. Because his father has been instrumental in supporting this conference and helping us to be on our feet, motivating me, supporting me. So those people are present in the audience and outside perhaps. They don't want their names to be mentioned. I mentioned three or four names. But the whole family, how they work selflessly over the years. It's about 20 years now they have been supporting. Without taking a penny for all the arduous work that they put behind it, but in turn contributing financially as well. We have to pray for their success, pray for their welfare and forgiveness and so forth. Otherwise we are ungrateful to Allah in turn. Now we have, alhamdulillah, Dr. Mamdo has arrived. If I could ask Sheikh Salim to swap seats with Dr. Mamdo, then Dr. Mamdo can say a few words because we have a lack of microphone here. Jazakumullah khairan. As you see, even scholars fight on chairs. <laughs> That it's good at least they don't throw it at each other at least. <laughs> they tried but they failed. <laughs> Should I start? Yes, please. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya wal mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Ahibbati fillah wa hayyikum bi tahiyyatil islam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Behind Every successful work, there are a group of people who are working and we don't see them. And I just made a very quick calculation. If every ten of us is served, are served by one person, that means we expect that 300 people were serving us. And we've seen only few of them. And if I do miscalculation, at least we have... 100 people who are working behind this great work that all of us confess that it is a great work. Just last year when we were here, I talked to Brother Abu Muntasir, Jazahullah Khairan, about why shouldn't we make this conference on every year instead of every two years. And we were concerned because of very few people working and lots of resources are lacking. However, alhamdulillah, they took the word, worked on it, and it became, inshallah, a yearly conference. And this is a great achievement. Really, this work that you see is a result of a work of probably seven, eight months continuous working to have something successful like this. So we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his support to us and to them in particular. And we thank everybody, starting from Abu Muntasir to those who worked in the kitchen and in other places. It's really a great work. I have seen brothers last night uh, whom I used to see every year and I was missing them. And finally when I met them last night, uh, I asked them, where were they? They said that we've been in the kitchen all these hours. Uh, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward them as the best reward given to the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen. Uh, 
Very, uh, in fact, alhamdulillah, you're done with the first class caliber of scholars, so now we are moving to the third class. I'm not talking about Sheikh Shabir and Sheikh... Uh, you mean fifth? I'm talking about... Uh, <laughs> I'll be very brief as usual. Uh, I would say my first advice, be smart. Be smart by doing the following things. First, uh, we learned the hadith of Mu'ad ibn Jabal, that narrated by Mu'ad ibn Jabal, when he said, كَانَ النَّاسُ يَسْأَلُونَ عَنِ الْحَلَالِ وَكُنْتُ أَسْأَلُ عَنِ الْحَرَامِ مَخَافَةَ الْوَقُوعَ فِيهِ People used to ask about halal issues, but I used to ask about haram issues, fearing that I might fall in these haram issues. Because the original thing is that the majority of the things on the earth are halal, only very few things are haram. So if you ask about these haram issues, uh, you can avoid them. So this is one way of how to be smart. And really, last night we got lots of questions from sisters, and the majority of these questions were about haram issues. And this is really a very good sign to, that shows that they are working hard to avoid the haram issues. And this is a sign of being smart. So let's take it as a habit and usually develop this in our personalities and our questions to ask about the haram issues. And the most important thing is to work on them, to avoid them. Secondly, be smart and have your daily connection with the Qur'an. Don't miss a single day and don't enjoy what is in the Qur'an. When we die, when, when we go to the grave, we will feel the sorrow that we didn't spend time to read the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember that this is the only book that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask us about. And remember what is written on the cover of the book, which is Al-Quran Al-Kareem, which means something that should be recited continuously. It's not every other day, it's not every other week, but it should be recited continuously. And I think this is, might be a very important meal for all of us to live on for a whole day, inshallah. So take it as a habit and take uh, part of the Qur'an and read it every day with understanding. Go to have a tafsir. Who doesn't have a tafsir at home? If you don't have tafsir at home, raise your hand. So all of you have tafsirs at home? One person only? One other person? Three? Four? Five? Alhamdulillah, very few people. I, I, I think it's, it's essential for every Muslim to have at least one or two tafsirs at home in order to understand the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, another piece of advice, as I mentioned it last time, and alhamdulillah, I was so happy at least I found one person, when I met him this year, he showed me a notebook, and he was gathering all the words. He said that I used to build up words from last year, and alhamdulillah, he achieved a lot, and I'm sure that there are some others who did that. So please continue learning Arabic. Let me say it very frankly and bluntly. If you're not going back to your home, 
So, why should you learn Somalese? Why should you teach your kids Somalese? Why should you teach your kids Urdu? Why should you teach your kids Bengali language? Instead of these languages, I think Arabic would be the best substitute for them if they are not going back to their countries. They know English here, and this is enough for them to live. And they need another language, if not the first language, to be Arabic. At least it should be the second language. And just think of it. Why should you teach your kids your mother tongue if they are not planning to go back home? And I think it's a waste of time. Be smart and think of it and then work on Arabic, inshallah, to get more benefit. Uh, another uh, way of being smart is when we uh, read the hadith of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we've heard, uh, I heard the sheikh and I'm sure the other sheikh talked about it, that you should uh, contribute, you should participate by your money, you should pay sadaqah, and you should pay, uh, you should help all the organizations that work uh, on the straight line, inshallah. And the hadith said, أَحَبُّ الْأَعْمَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَإِنْ the best works beloved by Allah are the works that are continuous, although they are small or little. So instead of paying now 100 sterling pound to Jimas or 50 sterling pound, if you make an oath with yourself and pay 10 pounds every month and make it a habit, I think this will render a lot of benefits for you, inshallah. And I'm sure that each one of us can do this. Not only the adults, but the children also. Some of them can do that. Uh, in fact, that's what I have. And again, I repeat my thanks for Brother Abu Muntasir and the whole team who work, uh, who works with him, from uh, the people who help in the kitchen, from the people who were running everywhere, and they had a lot of work working from probably 5 o'clock or earlier than 5 o'clock to 12 midnight. However, you still see big smiles on their face. Really, it's a great work. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward them and to reward the scholars and the shiuch who came and to reward all of you who spent some time seeking knowledge and seeking guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very briefly, when uh, Sheikh Mamdouh talks about being smart, may I also add that we need to be smart about supporting our oppressed brothers and sisters across the globe. And it's shameful that a civilization sometimes uh, tend to criminalize people of high and noble qualities. And it's not just a gimmick to put down their enemies because it's illogical what they do. They put down their own traditions their own heritage, their own culture, when in their own communities in the past they had such noble, chivalrous characters, the warrior monks, for example, who fought in the Crusades. They were not riffraff, some of them. They had high nobles, high qualities. They were of men of great chivalry. They, could, they would become terrorists according to the current definition of people who are the true mujahideen. So I'm not afraid to say this, and we should not be upset in hearing these kind of things. There are criminals in every community. There are those who are extreme and there are those who com commit atrocities. 
and then justify using religion, whatever religion they belong to. Muslims have their fair share as well. But that does not alter the fact that there are Muslims who are noble, who want to live up to the ideals of charity and kindness through the sacrifices that Islam teaches us and come to the peak of the affair, which is to lay down their lives for the cause of Allah, to bring justice of Allah on earth. They need to be supported, prayed for, and donated to. But we have to be smart, because the campaign is there to put everyone down who can make a change to the oppression that we are going through. And as regards organizations, I would like to emphasize that you must not feel that GMAS is the only organization that needs to be supported. There are many complementary organizations we work with, and there are many which we don't know about. And they deserve help as well throughout the UK. There are at least two organizations outside who are working very closely with us, like uh, Masjid al-Sunnah, to establish a, 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 a foundation where people can come and practice their deen, educate their youth, and also carry out works, uh, works of, uh, acts of worship. There is also uh, a Noor school project for our youth and so forth. So don't think that we only have to contribute to Jimas. But Jimas, if you contribute, those funds will go to such projects as well, inshallah. But you are not restricted to that at all. May I now ask Brother Muhammad al-Sharif to uh, say a few words of advice, inshallah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala amma ba'ad When we speak about uh, being thankful first and foremost we have to be uh, thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's something that we continuously have to be thankful to Allah azawajal again and again and Allah azawajal says um, that if we're thankful la'in shakartum la'azidannakum that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if we are thankful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will increase us. So alhamdulillah, bi ni'matihi tatimmu salihat. When I first went to uh, Saudi Arabia, and I was flying over uh, Jeddah, and we were coming and landing. This was about nine years ago, my first trip. And then I said, if I look out of the airplane, I may see the Kaaba. Not knowing that it was uh, kind of far from Jeddah at that time. So I looked out of the airplane to see where's the Kaaba, where's the Kaaba, I've never seen the Kaaba before. And then I saw a symbol that I realized was one of the symbols of Saudi Arabia after that. I saw a huge Pepsi sign on one of the, on one of the uh, uh, buildings. It said Pepsi, right? With the ba. And subhanAllah, after that I realized when I, when I first went to Washington, and I looked down, I said, let me see what I can see from the airplane my first trip. What do you think I saw? Pepsi. No. <laughs> Coca-Cola. I saw, I saw the traffic on the beltway around Washington, D.C. I said, subhanAllah, there's so much traffic in this city. And now I ask you, what do you think I saw when I came to the U.K.? I looked down from the airplane and what became a symbol of this, of this country that I saw from the airplane that we didn't have over there? What's that? What, Miranda? <laughs> I saw, I said, subhanAllah, all these football fields everywhere. Right? These big blocks of, of grass. You know, there's a building, then a football field. A book, and we say soccer field. But I saw, subhanAllah, all these uh, soccer fields. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it tells us in the Quran, مَا عِنْدَكُمْ يَنْفَلْ What you have will come to an end. وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ بَاقٍ What is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will go on and last forever and eternally. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-A'la, بَلْ تُؤْثِرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا That rather, and this is from the ungratefulness to a human, Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, why is He disbelieving in the hereafter? Because they prefer this hayat dunya. And Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the hereafter, is better وَأَبْقَى And it lasts longer. Uthman ibn Mad'un radiallahu anhu when he came back to Mecca from his hijrah to Habasha, and he was sitting amongst the kuffar of Mecca, the mushrikeen, one of them said some poetry. He said, "Ala kullu shay'in The poetry meaning that verily everything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is batil, is falsehood. And this is the mushrikeen speaking. So Uthman ibn Mab'un radiallahu anhu, he said, Sadaqt. He said, you've told the truth. And then the, that person who was saying the poetry, he continued, he said, وَكُلُّ نَعِيمٍ لَا مَحَالَةَ زَائِلُ And every blessing without any doubt will come to an end. And so Uthman ibn Mad'un radiallahu anhu, he said, كَذَبْتْ He said, you've lied. Because the na'im of Jannah never comes to an end. The blessing of paradise never comes to an end. And they actually began hurting Uthman radiallahu anhu because of this statement. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told us, كُن فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غَرِيبٌ أَوْ عَابِرُ السَّبِيلٌ Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, be in this dunya as if you are غَرِيب, as if you are a stranger or عَابِرُ السَّبِيلٌ or you're just someone passing by. And I think subhanAllah that many of you lived that kind of life while you were here. In the salah, I noticed that many of the people were shortening their prayers, meaning that they were traveling also. And you'll see when you're traveling, that you're not too concerned with, uh, you know, coming... You won't see here in the markets, furniture, because they know the people won't be buying, because they know they have to move on. And they won't be worried <clears throat> too much about making their livelihood here at the, at the conference so fancy, because they know very soon that they will be moving on. And in fact, this same attitude... <coughs> is not <coughs> sorry <coughs> need some pips yeah <laughs> pips <coughs> this same attitude is the same attitude that a person should have when they go back this same feeling that you've had while you were here take it and put it almost in, in a special glass box so that when you go home, you look at it again and again, and you say, I'm going to live my life from now on in the same way. As the Prophet ﷺ said, كُنْ فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غَرِيبٌ And so this is the life that we live in, and we have to look on that which lasts forever, and work for that which lasts forever, and that is the life of the hereafter. And so when the conference comes to an end, we put our focus now, and we've been doing it before, but we 
have a renew of our desire to put all our focus into the hereafter and working for it. And even in our dunya here, we set up the dunya so that it will be <clears throat> it will be working for us on the day of judgment. As the Mashaykh know, and, and I think uh, many people have realized that what you hear in the conference is only, like they say, an appetizer, an hors d'oeuvre. Right, you say hors d'oeuvre? It's only a small sampling. And any lecture, and some of the lectures, they're huge topics. And there will be, you know, 45 minutes, one hour. And all the Mashaykh know that they may have a list of 500 points, and they will give you three points, five points, ten points maximum, just as an appetizer. And then the lecture's over, then we move on to another lecture. It's only a sampling, but now it's up to us that if we enjoyed that sampling, that we should go on and move on <clears throat> to establish learning in our, in our centers and really go and study Islam. And when someone truly does study Islam properly, that then becomes their means of fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because they start worshipping Allah azza wa jal with knowledge. And that, <clears throat> as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ That the people that truly fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those ulama, the people of knowledge. And with their knowledge they use it to understand how they should worship Allah azza wa jal. <clears throat> One specific advice that I want to give is to take care of the youth. Even though we, when we see this, um, this crowd, and there are some youth in it, but if you look over the crowd, the youth are not here. And they may be in another seminar or something like that. <clears throat> but for every adult, there may be three, four youth which aren't represented here. And if this continues on, that generation, that the conference will only last so long before it dies out. Everybody gets old, and they're too busy, and then the youth are all gone. That with each cycle, with each generation, there has to be a strong focus on the youth. And not only one generation of youth, those youth have to be taught to take care of the youth that are younger than them, as part of the learning. And those younger youth, they need to be taught that they also have a responsibility for those younger than them, and so on. And so inshallah, our nasiha is to make the activities also exciting for the youth to come. And I know when we have conferences in America, the youth beg their parents to go to the conferences. And they may even go without their parents. They'll say, mother, father, can I go to the conference? And because of all the fun activities, not all of it halal, okay? But they still want to be with the Muslimin. They still want to be with the Muslimin. And if an organizer is smart in that, they can take advantage of those youth. And so at night, when they don't want to ask questions, answers like uh, the sisters, I'm sure, the youth might want to go and play football. Right? We say basketball in, in our country. They might want to go and have a basketball tournament. So maybe get some floodlights and have an all-night uh, football tournament. And then at the end of their, you know, i'tikaf on the football field, they go and they... Uh, pray uh, Salat al-Fajr with the Jama'ah. But then every year like that, every year they start realizing, hey, this Salat al-Fajr is, is good. And then they'll start realizing, look, I'm kind of tired for the football, but I'd like to go and join the Salat al-Fajr. And then it's a moving stage. They come, they learn a little bit about Islam, they have a lot of fun, and then they keep coming back to the conferences. So we need to put a focus on them. <clears throat> 
And actually, uh, my wife and I, we passed by the youth programs. And, and when we saw the building, we said, this looks like a British private academy. The, and the, the way it was set up. And I know our youth, they would never come to something like that. You have to put the halaqa or the class on the football field. You have to. You don't even need chairs, but just tell them, this is where we're going to have the halaqa. Because they will come and they will listen and it will come to their heart. But if we set it up in the wrong way, with our own hands, we may be pushing them away from, from this knowledge which we want them to take. Allah <clears throat> In conclusion, Shaykh Salah al-Sawi, hafizahullah, he said something very interesting, which he had heard from another shaykh. Some Muslims, they think that if they give cash to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah azza will give them credit. You understand cash and credit, right? <laughs> okay. Because when, when a speaker says like, give, Allah will give you in the future a reward. And as this shaykh said, he said, Allah is more generous than any human being that we would give Allah azza cash and then we get credit. And so I'm going to mention some of the things that come cash to us immediately as we give cash. Number one is that we have happiness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza someone who gives, if you have two people, one person gives, another person doesn't give, the one who gives, Allah Azza will immediately put happiness in their heart. That they came out of a fundraiser, they came out of something like this, and they gave for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who gave will walk out with a smile. And the one who didn't give will walk out with a frown. And this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I see no smiles now, I don't know. <laughs> Inshallah they're going to give a little bit more. Number two is that Allah Azawajal doesn't give one for one. Because some people think like, look, if I give you know, 10 pounds, then in one year Allah Azawajal will give me 10 pounds. And you know inflation and so on. So the person is, mis- it's a, a mistaken thought that Allah Azawajal is going to give them one for one. But in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives minimum 700% return. Minimum. And this isn't any president promising this or any prime minister promising. And like I said, people, they, they beg for the tax deductible return, correct? Because a human being is promising them 5% or 10% return. Allah Azza wa Jal, Rabbul Alami is promising 700% return minimum. The sadaqah also saves us from the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the Prophet ﷺ said, As-sadaqatu tutfi'u ghadabar rab. That as if it's, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger is subsided and extinguished when a person gives their sadaqah. And we know that we have so many things that may bring the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. And to fight this, we take our money out of our pockets in hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be happy with us. When we give sadaqah, it also protects us from harm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, something may be decreed for us. A person gives sadaqah, and with that, that goodness, Allah azza saves them. There was a brother that, and he had come from uh, one of the Arab countries, and he came to North America in, uh, a long time ago. And he used to gather the, the brothers so that they would <coughs> have a halaqah. And every time he would gather them, he would order pizza for them. 
And this pizza would cost $60 every week. $60, $60, and this was, I guess, the late 70s or early 80s. So $60 was a lot of money for all these brothers. So, you know, his money was, was running out, so he said, let me leave aside this halaqa for once. He phoned up everybody and he told them, look, and because he didn't have the money, he didn't want to keep spending this $60. He said, he phoned them up and he said, look, I'm, I'm not feeling that well this week, I'm kind of busy. So the halaqa is canceled. Halaqa is canceled. He phoned everybody up, everybody's like, no problem. And the halaqa was canceled for that week. And he said on Tuesday, he's driving down the road, and the beautiful red and blue lights start flashing behind him. Right, the ones that make you so happy. The cop, the cop stopped him, the police stopped him, and then they wrote him a ticket. And then he, when he saw the ticket, he $60. said, Subhana Rabbi, $60. <laughs> the price of the pizza. <laughs> And then he said, SubhanAllah, if only I had had the halaqa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may have protected me from, from this. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects us from harm. So a person thinks he has maybe a hundred uh, pounds in his, in his uh, wallet, and he says, I need this money. And so he doesn't give it. And then he steps out here and he finds a parking ticket on his car, 100 pounds. And then he said, if only I had given it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And actually a woman... In Hajj, she gave, um, I was saying instead of giving like the beggars in the street, I said, I know people in Medina, I've lived with people in Medina who needed the money and then if anybody wanted to give, I would pass it on to those peop- poor people in Medina. And so this sister, she came and she gave me $100. Later that night, she said that she went to the haram and she had a wallet with $2,000 in it. And she said she lost the whole thing. $2,000 worth. Because she had hope for the, that $2,000, she lost all of it. And as she stood there and she, and she started crying, older lady, I thought to myself, subhanAllah, if you knew that this was going to be the end of the day, how much more would you have given in the beginning? How much more would you have given? And so we don't know that wealth that we're, so, uh, we're holding on so tightly to, where is it going to go? So it's best if we put it in a place where it can't be taken, if we put it with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, when we give our wealth, it purifies the remaining wealth. It purifies. And that's where the zakah comes from, from to purify. And so the, the wealth has all this filth with it. And when we give, we're actually doing good for the remaining wealth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts barakah in what remains. And so if someone, for example, wants to buy a car, you know, he saved his money, and he's given sadaqah, he may find that when he goes and buys his car, the car, which normally everybody else buys for say $12,000, he finds an amazing deal, he gets it from a car auction, the exact same car for $7,000. And Allah Azzawajal saved him $5,000, even though he gave maybe only $20, $50 at a, at a fundraiser or something like that. And then the same person who may have held his money saying that I need to buy this car, that's why I can't give sadaqah, he'll go to the car place, the guy will trick him with the sunroof, and the, um, the window's coming down electronically, and he'll pay $17,000, when normally everybody else is paying 12000 And there becomes no barakah in his wealth. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does when you give for the sake of Allah. And of course, this is all, you know, the cash that comes directly, and with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a reward which all of us should be striving for. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, 
to the Prophet ﷺ and to all of us, وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى And that the hereafter is better for you than the, than the first. الْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى And if this only became a model of our lives, it could carry us to our death. وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى And if that came the discerning uh, thing that we look at every time we're about to do something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it would lead the person straight. In conclusion, inshaAllah, after we thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we thanked all the, um, the brothers and sisters that helped make this conference a, a success, we also thank all the participants who made this conference a success. Because if none of you came, then there would be no meaning to the work of all these people. They only set the place, but when the people come to the lectures, and they make sure that they're taking notes, and they're studying, they're asking questions, they are the people that make the conference a success. Walhamdulillah. And so we thank all of you for attending. Jazakumullah khairan. Allah alam and also forgive me if I've said anything incorrect. And uh, I want to thank actually the organizers. If you notice, my name wasn't on the, uh, on the program. And they had a lot of trust in me in, in bringing me. And I say Jazakallah khairan for that trust. And I hope I haven't... Um, I just want to make a mathematical note. Uh, I'm sure our brother Muhammad Sharif wanted to say it's 700 times, not 700%. If we calculate percentage, it should be 70,000%. A few quick uh, housekeeping rules. Um, Lost and found. If you do lose something, uh, please deposit them at the base or information point at the sisters area. Um, try and contact us after about a week or two, not straight away. Uh, the university itself uh, gathers all the lost and found material from rooms and puts them in bags and then tells us to, to pick them up. We need about two, two to three weeks to get everything uh, in a certain location. And also, don't leave it too late either. We have had a request for lost and found material six months, seven months after the event last time. And by that time, the things that we had recovered were lost again. Um, <laughs> Coaches haven't arrived yet, and, uh, slightly worrying for us, but inshallah they will do. But uh, in case of the big rush, I'd like to mention now, uh, big rush at the end, I'd like to mention very quickly about the keys. It is very important that the keys are not lost, inshallah. There are baskets or receptacles provided at the information point, registration and so forth. But if you do find that you have taken the keys home by mistake, post it to us, please. They cost money to uh, replace and we are charged for every single item that is lost or damaged on site. Even a floor that's been scratched will be asked to pay for that to, to, to um, uh, recover for. And finally, contacting us, I put up some email addresses of some of the uh, speakers. Uh, what I haven't got yet is uh, Sheikh Mahmoud Sharif's email address. Uh, if you can just write it down for me, then I'll, put, I'll type it up soon, inshallah. But you can contact all the speakers through the email addresses, and I hope you do contact them. And you also contact us, especially with reference to the networking I mentioned on the very first day, that we need to have a, a close, cohesive type of uh, communication amongst ourselves. And if you don't contact us, we cannot inform each other about events and even for requests for help and so forth. So do contact us. Our email is on all the literature that have been given out on behalf of Jimas, inshallah. Now, finally, I'd like to ask uh, Brother Shabir to say a few words, inshallah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Salatu wassalamu ala Rasulil Kareem.
all of the speakers have spoken and everything that needs to be said has already been said, so there's nothing more really to say. But uh, let me find out how you brothers are feeling this morning. I, I know, you know, Muslims always feel humble before Allah and that's how we always are going to continue to feel. But you know, there are some times when we feel good and sometimes when we feel not so good. You know, you ask a brother, how are you feeling? And nah, not too bad or not so good. So how are you guys feeling? Good? Good, all right. Well, you ought to feel good because all of this talk from all of this you here should make you feel good. And uh, all of the speeches over the last uh, few days, <coughs> hearing from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that should really make us fired up, feeling good, feeling fantastic in fact. And we should be ready now to go on and take on the world. Uh, starting with our families. We want to be gentle with the information that we have uh, obtained. We're going away from this uh, conference as uh, as a da'i, not as a mufti, right? <laughs> so let's uh, make sure we have all of that right. And uh, we have more than one reasons for feeling good, because we have the promise of Allah Azza wa Jal, and we can see from this very conference that the promise of Allah is coming true. Let me show you what I'm referring to. I have here uh, the book by Sheikh bin Baz, the book on advice uh, uh, of regarding da'wah. And he refers to this ayah from the Quran, Surah Nur. I want to read that for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan ar-rajeem. Wa'ala Allahu al-lazina amanu minkum wa'amilu s-salihati layastakhlifannahum fil ard. Layastakhlifannahum fil ard kama stakhlifal ladhina min qablihim. وَلَيُمَكِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ دِينَهُمُ الَّذِي ارْتَدَى لَهُمْ وَلَيُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ خَوْفِهِمْ أَمْنًا يَعْبُدُونَنِي لَا يُشْرِكُونَ بِي شَيْئًا وَمَنْ كَفَرَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises us in that uh, ayah which is ayah number 55 in Surah 24. He says he, he has promised the believers, those who believe among you and do good deeds, that he's going to establish them in the land as he has established those before them. And that he's going to make them secure. He's going to make their deen secure for them. That deen which pleases them. He's going to secure that deen for them. And he is going to transform for them. He's going to transform them into a situation of security after their fear. So if anyone is feeling afraid with what goes on, Allah's promise is that he's going to transform that situation of fear into one of security. And then what are we going to do in response to that? We are going to worship Allah and we're not going to associate any partners along with Him. And whoever disbelieves in that, well, those are the ones who are the evil livers. So now we ought to feel good because Allah has given us a promise. And our coming together in this conference and spending this time learning about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and making a firm decision to practice what we have learned is a sign that we are moving forward, we are progressing, we are reaching the goal 
of getting the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established for us. Another reason we ought to be happy is that now you guys are all equipped to do a little bit of da'wah, or at least most of you, in some way or another. Well, all of you in some way or another. And many of you were with me in the seminars in which we received the equipment to deal with those people who come around and try to make you feel bad. You know who they are. Right now you're feeling good, but when you go out to meet them, they'll, they'll try to feel, make you feel bad because they'll come around asking you about jihad. They'll come asking you about the status of women in Islam. They'll come asking you about Afghanistan and Taliban and Osama bin Laden on September 11. And sometimes this sort of thing can really get you down can make you feel bad, right? And sometimes you're sure that they're deliberately trying to make you feel bad. You get that feeling sometimes? Yes. So what we need to do is, as some of the time is to turn the discussion around. We don't have to talk about what people want to talk about, but we can set the trends. We can steer the conversation to where we want it to be. We don't have to let it be busy all of the time, whether Muhammad Sharif, when you look next time, you should uh, see something like Zamzam Kula, right? <laughs> so we can set the trends, we can be creative, and we can change the conversation to where we want it to be. So instead of talking about September 11th, we can drop the September, we can drop one out of the 11 and just talk about one. We can talk about Tawheed, right? Change the conversation. And in case somebody tries to tell you, well, wait, no, wait a minute, you get this uh, Tawheed stuff from a book that you shouldn't believe in, you got a Quran, there's another book you should believe in, now you are equipped so that you can uh, not only be defensive, or you don't have to be defensive, because the best defensive is a well-calculated and properly launched offensive, right? Now you know what you have to say. If somebody else tries to sell you another book, someone comes knocking on your door and they say, no, we got this book here that talks about world peace. So you, you want to tell them that there's a certain verse in the Bible which uh, they didn't pay attention to and they should know what that verse in the Bible says about how the Bible has been changed over time. And that verse is which one? Jeremiah chapter 8, chapter, uh, verse number 8. And you, and you will always remember that because two eights together uh, printed digitally make up what? A window, exactly. And you never forget Jerry because you know Mary, uh, some Jerry's that you would like to forget. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, people talk to you and try to convince you that Isa is, uh, is uh, part of a trinity. And you know for a fact that there's no such thing as a trinity. And the word trinity is not mentioned in the Bible anywhere. Uh, and you even know where there was a verse in the Bible that used to say that there are three that bear record in heaven. That doesn't say trinity anyhow, but at least it says something that should make some Trinitarians happy because it mentions three. But is that verse in the Bible still? No, it's only been a footnote and that's not really in the Bible. That's in the commentary, you might say. And where did that verse used to be located? It, is, it used to be at? Yeah, First John 5, 7. And that's easy enough to remember. I'm just testing your memory because I know you guys knew this uh, yesterday. But I'm just wondering if you, know, you didn't have much to sleep last night and you woke up this morning, you didn't have your coffee yet, as we say on, on our side of the Atlantic. And you cannot think straight. But I see you're thinking straight. You got this all way down pat. And I'm just, uh, I don't know if I should feel sorry for these people who will come knocking on your doors or I should feel happy for them because they'll get the da'wah from you and uh, their minds will be opened up to something they never thought about before. And there are some people who still think that Isa must be God somehow, but you have a solid proof that he is not God because the fact is that he 
put his face on the floor and he prayed to God. They say, no, he didn't worship God. Okay, prayed to God. We'll settle for that. And where is the verse that says that uh, uh, located? Where is that verse? It is in Matthew 26, 39. And you never forget that because 26 and 39 are two multiples of 13. And 13 is the unlucky number that you would like <laughs> rather not have. <laughs> Matthew 26, 39. So you are fully equipped. You know, if you just knew these three passages in, in, in the Bible, uh, there is no Christian in the world who can talk to you and, and get around you. Because if you always bring them back to these three points, you're always ahead of the game. And I, that, that makes me feel good. You know, so if you ask me how I'm feeling right now, I feel fantastic. I, <laughs> I'm really happy to have been working with you uh, over the last uh, couple of days. And I'm really thankful to all the organizers who have put this conference together. You know, we, we, we speakers, and me in particular, I have received uh, so much personal services uh, from uh, the volunteers and coordinators and stewards here that I don't know how to thank the, th these brothers who have been working with us so much. You know, last night, uh, when we finished here, it was, uh, by the time I got out of this hall, it was a little bit after 2 o'clock in the morning. And I thought, well, no, finally, okay, finally I can go get some sleep. And I asked uh, Brad Montes here, uh, aren't you going to go get some sleep now, Aki? Because I saw he was still busying about. And he said, well, no, uh, this is uh, about the time when I should go check up at the other place where the sisters' meeting was being held. I make sure everything is okay there. And I said, Aki, you don't have to go. I mean, uh, that's going to take care of itself. He says, no, I, I really have to go. Uh, and uh, it, as I tried to insist that he should actually get some rest, uh, it uh, finally came to be revealed that there's no, there's no rest to begin now because, in fact, uh, soon after checking up on the sisters' quarters, um, that comes time for the regular debriefing session that is held each night. And I thought when the brothers came knocking on my door a little after 4 o'clock in the morning, they're waking me up too early for Fajr. But I didn't realize that these brothers are working so continuously, not only during the day as we can observe them, but also during the night when we are, we are asleep. Uh, and uh, it, it just shows how much work goes into putting together a conference like this. So as we are going away from this conference with the information that we cherish so much, we realize that we're going away with priceless stuff. I mean, these verses of the Bible, for example, that you've memorized now, I mean, you'll have these for life, and then you'll teach them to your kids. And this uh, will, will just infuse so much power into the, the da'wah that the Muslims will be giving in the future as we go. How much uh, value can we put on this uh, sort of information? Now, this cannot be sold. But uh, how can we make sure that this sort of conference will continue in the future and we'll be ready to gain more of this information and to give more? Now, a lot of speakers spoke from the verses of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ emphasizing giving. Now, I want to know at this point, how many of you have signed one of the standing orders? Let, let me see your hands if you've all right, there are lots of hands. So why don't you take a moment now to, to fill out this standing order because as soon as the announcement comes, you know, you're going to have to leave and that's what the shaitan is hoping for right now. Because you intend to do something good and the shaitan is hoping that you won't be able to accomplish it. So let's make sure that we work a little harder than the shaitan. Make sure the thing is accomplished, over, done with now. The standing orders are given back. Uh, and even if you go home without the keys... Uh, with the keys. Don't go home without giving your standing order in. So just, just, just do that right now. Because you can always send the key back in. Because it will be sticking out in your pocket, making a hole in there. 
But, uh, you know, if you don't give the standing order now, you know, the shaitan is going to keep grabbing onto that and, ne- and, and, and never make you put it, uh, it in the mail. So please do that right now, very quickly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. So let me see your hands now if you've already done it, because uh, a couple of minutes have passed and uh, you intended to do it. <laughs> All right. So you, you, your brothers need pens? Mm-hmm. You need pens? I've, I've got one pen here. You want to pass it right. around? Uh, Sheikh Mamdouh actually wants to change the question. He wants to ask, he wants the question to be, how many of you are hoping to avoid a parking ticket? Raise your hand. While we are thinking about uh, standing order forms, I have to uh, cut in uh, the, uh, the what is it? Whitechapel coach. It is going to leave in about 20 minutes' time without the guests or the people on board. So if you are on a Whitechapel coach, you need to leave straight away without signing the standing order form even. <laughs> and get your bags and board the coaches. For brothers and sisters, but there are people listening outside the hall as well, the Whitechapel coach is going to leave, inshallah ta'ala, in about 20 minutes' time. It came at 10.30. If you're in the halls, please make your way straight away to your coaches after collecting your luggage, inshallah ta'ala. Jazakumullah khairan. Look, if I may now draw the meeting to a close, I mean, if you can fill your form in and hand it in later on, inshallah ta'ala. There are standing order forms and other stuff available outside. Don't forget to pick up a catalogue as well. Uh, I'll ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us all. I ask you also to excuse our ignorances and bad behavior during the event. Hopefully we'll see you all again next year uh, with other new people. But do remember to apply early. We close family bookings two weeks before the event and single brothers and sisters bookings one week before the event we got full and still many day trippers came and stayed overnight so we are thankful to you for your understanding many people experienced a lot of difficulties especially in the first day and especially with accommodation that's the nature of the event that we are housed in single brothers or single persons accommodation people have to sleep on the floor we do warn the public when they apply or ask for information but sometimes they come without reading such material and they get put out by the atmosphere of having to sleep on the floor and share with unknown people and so on. We can only apologize for such mistakes, but we do hope you'll come back again next year and keep in touch with us. May Allah reward us all, reward you, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive all the Muslims and grant us the best of paradise of Jannah al Firdaus. Ameen. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shadu wa la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfirullah wa ilaha jazakumullah wa Did you write your name?